What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Beers and. Today, we're going to be talking about beers and bourbon. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Bourbon, baby. Love when we're mixing booze on a Sunday <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> Usually not a good combination, but we're going to do it anyway. Welcome back again. My name is Alex, and in person this time... Woo, it's me. It's Nick. Nick's here. Nick's here. That could be taken either as a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's a great thing. Depends on your HOA. That's true. So <laughs> That is actually true. Uh, today, we're we're going to have cocktails. Episode number 30. Episode number 30. And we're, we're doing it bourbon style this time. I feel like this is a very classy episode. This is. Um, so, you know, we, we try and stick with the theme beer wise i think we've done a pretty good job recently yeah with cocktails so i connected these two with basil oh very nice it was sitting in the fridge rob gave it to me this is the first time rob's coming up in this episode thanks rob there'll be another one really yeah yeah rob rob full episode you've already got that shit eating green on your face which means that uh something tells you rob you've had a you've had a time or two with bourbon something tells me no 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 oh okay no yeah actually it's more informative than anything oh all right good um, so i'm just making up lies so we're, we're we're having another beer from icarus today this one is drinking peach basil fizz for breakfast Ooh, i love these breakfast ones yeah we had one right We've had a, I want to say we've had a couple of... uh, Did we have one on camera or off camera? I can't remember. I don't remember if it was from Icarus, but it was, we had one that was uh, most important meal, I believe. Oh yeah, that was Magnify. Correct. Did we ever have rhubarb pie for breakfast? No, but we I want okay, to. I tried that one. I've got a lovely recipe for rhubarb pie as well. Oh nice. Then maybe we will have rhubarb pie for breakfast. I guess we're going to have to. I'll make the rhubarb pie. We'll wait for the summer. We'll, we'll yes. wait for the summer then. That's, that's rhubarb, rhubarb pie season. 100%. So drinking peach basil fizz for breakfast is a Berliner style vice ale with peaches, limes, and basil. Ooh, I'm curious about this peaches and lime mix. I'm excited. I love peaches and lime. I do like lime and I do like peaches. I don't think I've had too many, even foods, where that's been the flavor combination at all. Not with basil. No. Nope. And on the cocktail side of things, we have a very lovely uh, Basil Hayden's bourbon blackberry smash. Which is, uh, yeah, frozen blackberries, lime juice, some uh, basil Hayden's, Mm -hmm. and basil. And basil. And club soda. Yes, a little bit of uh, Perrier. Yeah, so fancy club soda. Very, very fancy. So I don't know if you have any brew news, but I actually do. I, uh, come on, you know know that I'm I'm, I'm here for the drinks. Um, (laughs) No, I unfortunately do not. Fair enough. I've got to set up a a notification, I think, going forward so I don't look like uh, a real piece of shit. That's okay, because um, this brew news is from Rob. Brew news. Oh, oh, good. Rob mentioned number two. There we go. (laughs) Got to get a tally board going. Early and often, yeah, early and often. So um, I don't know, are you familiar with gypsy brewing? It's not... I I am familiar with the concept of gypsy brewing, yes. Okay, so, um, you know, a small, maybe two brewers work out of another brewery's base camp yes. and make their own beer. Mm-hmm. So Twin Lights has done this for a while, but they're actually opening up a brewery right near, um, right in Jug Handle's old location in Titton Falls. Oh, no way. Yeah. So, so where's no, where's Jug Handle going? Jug Handle moves already not far from that, maybe like three minutes down the road. Oh. Yeah, so I they're pretty they close. Moved. And they, oh, okay. they moved into a much bigger space. Oh, good. Yeah. Huh. So yeah, Twin Lights Brewery is open up in, opening up IU in Asbury, 
or, uh, or on Asbury, I should say. Oh, in Titten Falls, though? Yes. Oh, nice. Yep. All right, beautiful. You know where Reina's is? The Mexican place. Um, if you're driving towards the Parkway North, you know, trying to come up towards me. Yeah. You know you pass by that shopping plaza yeah. where Jug Island used to be? Hmm. Maybe, no? maybe not. You'd know it if you passed it. All right. It's like right after the circle. Oh, on the, okay. It's on the, it's, there's it's actually on the other, pauses on both sides. Yeah, but, yeah, it's on the... I usually don't go that way. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know where you go. I, yes, okay. I go on the other side of the uh, traffic circle. Gotcha. Yes. Fun fact, I believe that New Jersey, along with Massachusetts, are the only states that actively still use traffic circles. That's terrible. I love them. I, I mean, great. you know what? They're not stoplights. I think they make traffic go faster. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually kind of true. Yeah. Good for us. Good for... You know what? I think that we're the best, personally. <laughs> that is true. I think we're the greatest ones. That is, I think that as well. <laughs> so, really, really simple for the question today. And, you know, I'm going to crack this beer in the meantime. Ooh, yeah, please. Um, what, what's your favorite bourbon? Oh, Mine's my really easy. Goodness. Oh, I, I my goodness. I think you goodness. know mine, too. I don't know if I know yours. I actually thought you were going to pick it up to its uh, bullet. I thought maybe you'd show up with some bullet. And you know what? I think that because I've had bullet so much over the years, not as big a fan any longer. Okay. I think I may have just uh, grown That's a little. Fair. Yeah, just grown a little tired. Um, I really, I do like Ballantines. Ballantines is I've never a, had that. yeah, it's a small batch, um, small batch, uh, single malt bourbon. It is very, very good. And I love the, they've got uh, their tops all change. So like they've got ones where it's like someone uh, like riding a thoroughbred and they've got a whole bunch of, yeah, like collectible oh, tops. Interesting. You've probably seen them before. Probably. Um, otherwise, again, a good old fashioned, uh, not the drink, but uh, go to. And again, Nick had suggested I picked it up today um, was Angel's Envy. Yes, is really, really good. good that's uh, finished in uh, sherry cast. So right. it's got a really nice, sweet flavor. Otherwise, oh, why am I forgetting? It's actually made, it's actually distilled in Brooklyn. Um, oh. Is it the, the knot? The knob? No, no. not Knob Creek. No, um, the, is it the knot? No. Oh, I don't oh goodness gracious. And you know another one that I like, um, and I always confuse them with, Knob Creek is Woodford Reserve. Okay, yeah, Woodford's like a good old like, like go uh, go to as well. Yeah, why is this Brooklyn Bourbon Distillery? Uh, uh, distillery. Let's see. Are you gonna let me down? Hmm. Um. Oh, oh goodness. So, this, so if if anything, um, I'm sorry. I, I Wh- haven't passed you your beer yet. Oh, you haven't. Uh, how real quick? If anything, Widow Jane. Widow Jane. Widow Jane is bourbon. a delicious, delicious uh, bourbon as well. Technically, and we'll learn in a bit. Technically, not a bourbon, and we'll oh okay. We'll learn why in, Interesting. in a little bit. All right. I wonder if you have what I have. I don't know. Um, so I like Woodford Reserve. I'm a big Bullet guy. I love Bullet. Um, you know, like that's really it for bourbon for me. I'll put it to you this way: there are more. There, it's easier for me to tell you what I would not drink, um, and again, we'll we'll kind of get into some of the specifics, you know, in a little bit. But sure. I abhor 
Jack Daniels. Like yeah. I think Jack Daniels is is Not like my favorite. Oh my god, it's like dip spit. I learned something in the... interesting about Jack Daniels today and do you know why it's not considered bourbon? I believe it's because of the fact is that it's not to be bourbon, it must be distilled in the state of Kentucky. That's actually not true. Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. The reason why Jack Daniels isn't, isn't bourbon is because when it's drained, um, it's filtered through maple chips. Oh, correct. Yes, that was another. I, you know what? I, I'm I get myself confused because I went ahead and I did obviously re, uh, research on bourbon, and then I went into Tennessee whiskey as well nice. to to get like the differentiation. Nice. So that's where I'm getting confused there. Uh, but before any of that, we should probably go ahead and get on into. This th- looks like the color of the inside of a peach. It does. It doesn't have that artificial look to it. It's a really nice golden. Yep. I wouldn't call it terribly hazy. And it smells like oh, tart peach. Yeah, like a peach puree. Really, really nice. Yeah, you know, I've had a couple of the um, drinking for breakfast. Cheers, by the way. Cheers. And uh, they're usually not as punchy. So I'm curious to know how the basil is going to be in this one. I'm thinking that's because of the lime. Could be. Is what we're picking up on, too. It's actually damn good. Ooh. That is interesting because it doesn't exactly taste like like peach lime and basil no and i don't know if it has much of a i want to say that it's almost blended to the point to where none of those individual flavors come out on their own yeah they're not distinct they're like create something new yeah huh so and all it says on the on the can is heavily wheated berliner style vice Conditioned on copious amounts of peaches and then finished on basil and limes. Let me tell you, I want a job with uh, any one of these breweries if you're hiring to be right a uh, yeah copy editor uh, or a copywriter and and listen to each their own. But we are overusing the word copious. Overusing that's, that's the true. word copious at this point. I've Great had word. enough. But Great it's being word, overused. but it's being overused. That's how I feel about that song, American Pie. Why? I think it's overplayed. Is it because a long, long time ago you can still remember? <laughs> yes. How everyone still overplays the song till this day. Yes, I remember. <gasps> yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the truth. Sorry, Don Healy. How about uh, let's do a quick overthought. Mm. I, I have a good one. Um, so there's always like a big stigma around raw eggs and how they're bad for you. Correct. You know, like people drinking eggs like that's that's so, so taboo because you shouldn't. Apparent, yeah. But I've seen chefs, professional chefs, make aiolis with an egg yolk. Mm -hmm. And I've also seen bartenders, professional mixologists, mix drinks with egg whites. Correct. What am I missing? I want to say, and I'm speculating here, but I want to say it has to do with the amount of raw eggs one does consume. Okay. That makes sense. Everything in moderation. Yeah, I'm going to go, because it's the same sort of thing of like, you're not supposed to eat, you know, like raw meat, but what is, you know, beef tartare, you know, right. but raw meat, essentially, to begin At with. At that point, you're trusting that you get it from a reputable correct distributor, and you know, the animals are taken care of. I think that, I, and maybe again, I'm speculating here, but I wonder if that has a little bit to do with it also, just Probably. due to, I mean, not to take us in a different direction, uh, but just reading about 
mass agricultural like yeah. chicken farms and it's egg it dude. is it is a horrifying horrifying sight to see uh so i'm wondering if it also just has to do with the idea of like the the way in which these chickens are kept to begin with could are be probably not the most well not probably but they're definitely not the most sanitary right uh, so that might have something to do with it you know i always think about that like we try our best to always get free range organic and um you know when it comes to like beef grass-fed organic you know usda certified we, we try to stick with that stuff because i want to eat the best it's funny because i know that a lot of times like unfortunately and i'm sure and i know you do too because i i do the same thing i try to buy you know again free range unfortunately you know those buzzwords yeah are just they, they don't mean exactly what yeah, you want because like i know that so when we were in again undergrad we used to have a farm in Orange County that we used to drive, you know, we used to drive over the border, go into Orange County, and we would, we would get meat from this one farm. And it was one of those deals nice. where it was like, yeah, see that cow over there? That's the one I'd like. And That's awesome. you would know exactly then right. what you were getting. It was a small operation. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, sometimes it's a little tricky. Sure, absolutely. I totally agree with you. I would love to get to the point if I had space. I would love to have chickens. That'd be cool. Of my own. That'd be cool. Yeah. They're finicky, though, but they're also very lovely. Are they? Did it, Did we do an episode on chickens? I feel like I did a deep I dive think you, for some oh, reason on, on chickens. Was it on birds? On birds, yes. They're very affectionate animals, but... So one of the things That's that right. I learned is that they... <laughs> lay their eggs. I read a book randomly uh, about this. Um, chickens lay eggs um, very much based on the time of day that it is. So like they actually do. They're supposed to like sleep at night and when the, and during That's the day. Interesting. But as a result of like the way that we farm them now is that they keep the lights on all the time so chickens don't know when to go to sleep right so they're just continually pumping it's out oh it's abysmal that's terrible abysmal but Worth. i do love a good egg yeah i mean that's the most versatile food the incredible edible yeah <laughs> i can't believe it's not oh that's I, yeah that's, that's, butter. that's butter that's modern sorry too yeah it's not even real butter not even real butter nope this is a very nice i'm a big fan um yeah i feel like the more i drink it though the less I taste the basil. Yeah? Uh, maybe it's just me. I think that... No, so, it's there. I think that the taste of basil and lime... Yeah, that's what it is. ...could be very close to one another. I think that they're all... Hmm. It's interesting. Because I think that each flavor complements the other one in such a way that you're not going to get that distinction... But all three all together muddle that even more. Like if it was basil and peach, I'd say, right. uh, okay. If it was peach and lime, I'd say, okay. If it was lime and basil, I'd say, okay. I don't even know. Oh, sorry, God. But all three all together, I think kind of kill at times the opportunity for there to be a particularly, a particular like standout. For something to shine. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because like they're, I wouldn't say they're muddled. I would say they bring out different things in each other. Yeah. I find that the aftertaste is mostly the ba basil and lime. Yeah. I was going to say definitely for me, the lime lime. Yeah. yeah. A lot of lime. I, I enjoy I, it. I mean, I like it. Yeah. A I, I'm a, I'm a fan. 
I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it like a three, seven, nine. Okay. You're lower than I thought you'd be. It's nice. It's good. It's balanced. Definitely. It could, I think, if you were to put this in a flight, I think it would get lost somewhere in the middle. And okay. that's why I'm, I'm going to put it, again, you know, uh, three, seven, three, eight-ish. Okay. Yeah. I like this a lot, actually. Um, I think the tartness of the lime is really nice. And the there's kind of like an herbaceousness from the basil. It's not very prevalent, but it's there. Yeah. It's nice. It's on the back. Um, man. Yeah, I don't, like, I want to give it over a four, but I agree with you. There's something about it that... I feel like there's there there's more to come from this. It's unique compared to a regular kind of ale, I think, Definitely. or a Berliner Weiss. Um, but I don't think as unique as it could be. To be honest with you, you know what I keep kind of searching for in this? A little spice. I feel mm. like I would like a little bit of heat thrown in here a little uh little jalapeno perhaps just to kind of creep through um i feel like that's what yeah. i'm missing more than anything yeah or maybe not even heat but all, but just spice just spice in general like yeah. some sort of uh, some spice. sort of pepper a little bit of cayenne even maybe yeah yeah i think that's what i would like okay i'm gonna say uh i'm gonna stick four flat because i'm like covering in between 405 and 395 okay all right. So I'm going to right in the middle, four flat. All right. But it I, is very good. It is a very nice beer. I could kill a ton of these. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't, if you offered me a full one, if you offered me a second one, I wouldn't say, you know, I wouldn't say no. There's not there's not much I do, uh, <laughs> but I definitely wouldn't say no. I wonder how it pairs at this point with this lovely cocktail that's over here. Yeah, I'm hyped for this thing, man. Oh, my goodness. Like that basil and blackberry I've had before. Oh, yeah. And it's very good. Absolutely. It's a very nice flavor combination. Bourbon's going to bring something to the party. I think so. So it's always funny because I know that there are two there are two types of individuals. There are those that drink and enjoy bourbon and there are those who drink bourbon and enjoy themselves and don't enjoy anybody or anything. That's, they that's get totally true. Nasty. That is totally true. They get nasty. I don't think that you and I are are like that. No. Um. By uh, any no. means, you know, I really don't have one of those liquors. Vodka might make me a little mouthy. Uh. And wine. The wine's the wild card. Wine for me is the one where I will drink it. I will get equally as lit up as everybody else, but I will deny. Being equally as lit up and look down on everybody else for being drunk oh, okay. as a result. Uh, but bourbon is not. Oh, yeah. It's a, I'm a complicated individual. You kind of said it before <laughs> when you said that, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it later of why this isn't a bourbon or like why, you know, what, what actually classifies it. I assume you got those things. Correct. Yes. Okay. So, you know, bur- I, I, the way I put it was bourbon and whiskey confuse me. Yes. Because it, it can be very confusing. Correct. So I won't give them all because I know you did some of them, but I found five qualifications. I, somewhere I found six. Okay. But five qualifications a spirit must possess to be considered bourbon. Okay. So it must be made in the U.S. Correct. That not, I've got. Not necessarily Kentucky. Right. But that's also where 95% of the world's supply of bourbon comes from. And 
if I'm not mistaken, it's due to the fact that um, that it is built in. Like there was a, a Senate resolution back in the 60s that had designated bourbon as a uniquely American drink. And yes. as a result, it's one of those things where you can't call something bourbon unless it meets these qualifications. Exactly. Mm -hmm. it, it, bourbon is the first official U.S. born spirit. Oh, it is the first one. Yes. Oh, that you see and that the I first didn't and know. only. Oh. As of, as of right now. Huh. Yeah. yeah. See that one I didn't know. Yep. Yeah, so that oh. yeah, that's kind of what you were saying. Um, so this is. Do you know why ninety five percent of the world's supply comes from Kentucky? Um. Do I know why? Hmm. No, I'm actually, I'm like looking back through my notes as if I, I'm going to find the answer then. And I'm like, ah, maybe, yeah. Kentucky has uh, superior quality filtered limestone water. Oh. And also Kentucky's severe, um, how it was described was its extreme climate. Oh. Also lends to the fact that it produces superior bourbon. Interesting. Yeah, you see that? I didn't know. So uh, corn obviously is the main crop. Right. But it goes into explain that originally when bourbon was being distilled, they realized very quickly that during the hot months, they couldn't distill. It would be a weaker quality bourbon hmm. and also sometimes not even come out at all. Oh. And this is because if it gets too hot, the corn in the mash tun dies. Oh. So they, not until, you know, they could cool down the process. Artificially. Were they, yeah. yeah. Were they able to start doing it year round? Huh. But because Kentucky has such, you know, they, I didn't know this. They start brewing it in um, the winter. Oh, okay. Yeah. So because Kentucky has such harsh winters, that lends to that. Interesting. Yeah. Well, the, the, the corn part makes sense because that's another one of the qualifiers is that it must contain at least or be made from at least 51% yep. yes. maize or corn uh, as part of the mash. Yep. Maker's yeah. Mark is up over 70. I Interesting. Up over 70% corn. Huh. See, that one I didn't know. Yep. That one I didn't know. Yep. And mm. that's actually one of my least favorite. Maker's Mark? Yes. Um. Yeah, I'm not going to necessarily go out of my way for it. Yeah. They make a wonderful cigar, though. Maker's does. Oh, yeah. Is it, is it dipped in? Is that what it is? The uh, casing, it, it, you know, open it up. Oh, it's yeah, dipped yeah. in wax, yeah. Oh. But it's like um, they dip, I believe they either brush the leaf yeah. Or dip the leaf in... I was going to say, in the bourbon in the itself. Bourbon. Huh. Yeah, it's very sweet, very nice cigar. Interesting. I didn't know this, that it is an extraordinarily lucrative industry. Yes, it is. So between bourbon and Tennessee whiskey, because they do combine the two of these together, I'm sure then you probably have the, a similar stat then, uh, how much money they had made at least... As of 2018? I don't have that. I actually have um, what they have to pay in taxes every year. Oh. Well, if anything, it's it did come up that it is a $3.6 billion industry Whoa. between the two of them. Um, yeah, between bourbon and Tennessee whiskey. Hello. And which, in parentheses, I then put, which is evidently different uh, than bourbon itself. Quite. Quite. Uh, what was my number stat? Uh, oh, in terms of how much tax? Yeah, I don't know if I could find it. I'll find it later. It's in here. All right. Um, so, yeah. So, among the other um, requisites, it must be aged in a new charred oak barrel. Mm -hmm. Brand new. It's got to be. And 
I think. Oh wait, this I thought was interesting. It cannot enter the barrel greater than 125 proof. Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah, I didn't know that, and it can't be bottled at less than 80. Yeah, I didn't know that that was going to be such a specific qualification. Yeah, that's strange. Well, I guess, again, it is one of those, like, once you start to differentiate between, because realistically, you've got Mm. whiskey, Tennessee whiskey, Canadian whiskey, bourbon, rye, scotch whiskey. whiskey. There's It's such an interesting, and again, I guess it's one of those things where we run into them, but I don't think that you start to, like, okay, Seagram's is Canadian whiskey. Oh, okay. That's because it's a, I don't know, a Canadian company or whatever. Right. Uh, you know, no, it's, it's Scotch because it's from Scotland. Until you start to realize, like, oh, no, there actually are these are differentiating rules. qualifications and, and characteristics. Yeah. Hmm. And then the last one that I had was nothing could be added but water, only to dilute when necessary. Oh. So that must be when it either goes into the barrel or, yeah, it must be it. Interesting. It See, can, that yeah. I didn't know. Yeah, that was the last one that I had for that huh so because of the fact is that like i said they seem to combine at least the statistics having to do with um tennessee whiskey like i said i wanted to kind of figure out what is a bit of the difference between the two mm-hmm. um so very similar oh by the way you know what oh yeah we We're haven't tried here talking about it yeah, we silly. should cheers happy 30th cheers, cheers again hey oh man Ooh, mama mama ma. I could drink that all day. My stars. That is a delicious, that delicious is, that is little top, drink. Wow. Top of the top. Like, I, that I, is I, you know what I think? It, nice. One thing it needs? A little more bit. Basil. More basil. Or maybe muddled more. Maybe muddled just a little bit more. Ooh, yeah. yeah. And you know what? And I mean, I know we're, we're, we're working with, you know, types of glasses. You serve this to me in a, in a, uh, in a highball glass. Ooh. Yeah, that's what it's supposed to be served. Ooh, in. you would find me on the nearest porch, rocking <laughs> back and forth, just waiting for this, somebody for a caller to come around. You ever see uh, Django Unchained? Yes. This is a this is a Calvin Candy drink. Oh, a hundred percent. That's a hundred hundred percent. I think that all Southern accents are ridiculous until you're in a certain tax bracket, uh, and that's <laughs> the one what I enjoy very much the most. Anyone who hasn't seen that movie, go see that movie. Oh, it's a phenomenal movie. Beautiful movie. Yeah. Um, So like I said, though, I wanted to figure out some of the differences then between bourbon and Tennessee whiskey. Definitely. Um, So I don't know, again, if you had kind of like dove into this at all. But so for anything, again, to be defined as Tennessee whiskey, uh, by law, it's a law, actually, uh, it must be made in the state of Tennessee and use the filtering step known as the Lincoln County process, which is oh, what, well, it's actually what you had just described with oh, Jack really? Daniels. Yes. Oh. So it, that is whiskey that is either uh, filtered or steeped through a thick layer of maple charcoal before going into the oak Interesting. Barrels. So I was a little curious again as to why was it called the Lincoln County process. So that is the original home of Jack Daniels. Dry County. Yep. Yes, and that's like that's cracked me up. Mind. So it, uh, <laughs> they redrew all the boundaries. So all of those distilleries that were once in Lincoln County no longer are in Lincoln County, and the only distillery that is still in Lincoln County doesn't use the Lincoln County process. So it doesn't actually. It's uh, it's uh, that's silly. Yeah, uh, Pritchard's. Uh, so it's not actually then considered Tennessee whiskey. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Wow. Love that kind of stuff. Okay, so all Tennessee whiskey must go through the process of being filtered over maple charcoal. Yep, through maple charcoal before that going into the charred barrels. Interesting. Yep. Fun that's, stuff. That's what it is that I don't like about Tennessee whiskey. I think that might be what it that's is what for it's me. It's got to be. Because I'm not a big maple syrup guy oh, I to like, begin with. I like maple syrup. Oh, really? But I, don't like, oh. Yeah, I don't like Jack Daniels. Oh, no. Well, Jack Daniels again. Like Hell I said, no. I can't. Dip spit. I don't know if you remember this, but there was a time we were at Dan's. And uh, Steve, I think it was when he lived at home, and Steve came out and he had a water gun filled with Jack Daniels, oh. and he he shot it in my mouth, and I immediately spit it out. I am pretty sure, pretty sure that I had it was one of my birthdays. I want to say that I might have been like twenty two, and I had had someone gave me a shooter of Jack Daniels. I took the shooter and I immediately, you know, became ill and in the, you know, naturally rallied. But in that moment of getting, you know, sick, I remember thinking to myself, like, I can't tell you the last time I had been sick while drinking. And I was like, Jack Daniels, Jack Daniels. That's what this is all about. It's definitely not a Jack Daniels podcast. Bastards. That's for sure. No, not at all. (laughs) Not at all. Good Lord. I thought it would be interesting to research bourbon a little bit. Stick stick to bourbon. Yes. And there's this one name that kept coming up. I don't know if you came across it. It's this guy by the name of Mike Feach. No. So he is, he's dedicated his life essentially to being a historian of bourbon. Oh, wow. And he's actually, he's dubbed in some of the readings as the unofficial ambassador of Kentucky bourbon. Listen, if there was ever a title to have or like aim for. Seriously. So um, he came up a lot of my readings and he's from Louisville, actually. You know, Louisville is pretty much the birthplace of bourbon or at least where majority of it is sold from now. Mm -hmm. So many people think that bourbon got its name from the aptly named Bourbon County. Correct. But that's not true. Correct. This, however, was not the case. Um, Actually, this can be easily disproved by the fact that in the Filson Historical Society, they have bourbon labels printed from as early as 1850. Mm. But there was no mention of um, bourbon coming from Bourbon County until 1870. Yes. It wasn't printed Mm -hmm. until then. So easily disproves that. Um, For some reason, stories didn't appear until then. And that's what led Mike Veach to believe that this isn't where this name came from. So Veach goes on to say in this interview... Um, I believe it was with the Histonian. That's where I found this. Um, the genesis of this name occurred when two gentlemen known as the Tarasco brothers okay. arrived in Louisville from south of Cognac, France. They began to ship local barrels of whiskey to New Orleans, mm-hmm. and they actually told the Kentuckians that you'd be very easily able to sell these to the New Orleans because French brandy and Cognac is also made in aged oak barrels charred oak barrels and if i'm not mistaken then the bourbon that was being made and resold was cheaper than oh i didn't see that uh, that's what i had found was that it was actually cheaper than cognac oh as a result uh, probably due to like import export sure so that's what helped a lot with the popularity take off yeah so the you know large population of new orleans is french Mm -hmm. so everyone's used to french brandy and cognac so it was a very easy sell and this is where the name came from because eventually when people started to become familiar with this 
whiskey that they found on Bourbon Street, mm-hmm. people would call it, oh, that bourbon whiskey. Yeah, yeah, on yeah. On Bourbon yeah. Street where it was mostly sold. I was, I was very interested about that. Like it's I had cool. no idea. So the interesting thing about uh, Bourbon County also, if anything, just to reiterate, you know, that area is that at one time it actually was home to a number of distilleries, but that was up until 1919 when prohibition had gone into effect. Right. I did read this a little bit. But even after prohibition was repealed, there were actually no distilleries in Bourbon County until 2014. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there was almost a hundred year period where there was no bourbon distillery in Bourbon County. That's crazy. Yeah. 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 So did you, do you have who it was? The, who came in in 2014? If I'm not mistaken, for some reason it's sticking out in my mind. I don't have it written down, but you know, we can check to verify. I believe that it was Buffalo Trace. Oh, nice. Yeah. 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 I want to say that it was them, uh, who had had, uh, who had opened it back up again. So they actually make, um, and I, oh, I didn't write it down. But Buffalo Trace makes what is considered by this guy, Mike Veach, to be the absolute best bourbon of all time. Really? It's called like Pop Van Pappy or something. It's It's got like Pappy in the name or Pop in the name, almost like Grandpa or Pop Van Winkle. Oh, okay. Something like that. And But Buffalo Trace does a rendition of this oh. very famous bourbon. Interesting. See, that I didn't know at all. Yeah. I, I wonder if that was the one, I don't know if you had read about this, but there was a there was an argument... Uh, and and a test that that essentially was done that said that um, the originally like due to like shipping costs and whatnot they used to go ahead and barrel up you know the the bourbon and then for it to make its way east they used to just throw the barrels into the Ohio River and let them you know float along like the float, way yeah so they did. Like uh, uh, an experiment with this more recently than not to go ahead and actually see, like, is this actually true? And when it got to its final destination, they had, I guess, impartial judges kind of like review it. And they did find that those barrels that had been thrown into the Ohio River and then, you know, uh, sloshed around and whatnot, did find that their age or the taste seemed as if it was aged at a longer process. It was richer. It was a much better taste. And they think that it's because of the continuous like, tossed around. back and forth sloshing motion. Interesting. Um, I'd have to go back and check to exactly found that. But that makes sense. Yeah, but I would say I would so. say that tracks. Yeah. yeah, that's that's cool. Too bad we can't get our hands on any of those. This is so good, though. Yeah, I'm like, I don't want to suck it down because mm. I know what happened last time. I thought about it because I looked at yours and mine was actually out of eye shot. And I was like, oh, he still has some left. I hope I have that much left. And I don't. Yeah, I've been, um, <laughs> I've been, I've been savoring. You're a good man. You're a good, good man. I give you a lot of credit on that one. It's a good drink. It is very nice. So actually, um, this I didn't put this down anywhere, but I thought it'd be cool to bring up a couple of years ago before my friend Scott got married. Mm-hmm. We took him on his bachelor party to Louisville. Oh, you did. Oh, that's right. Didn't you guys go to the Kentucky Derby? Uh, we did. We went to uh, Churchill Downs. Yeah. We, we didn't see a race. But, you know, it was off season. But uh, we did. We took a tour of Churchill Downs. We went to the Louisville Slugger Museum. Oh. And also, you know, the factory, which I didn't know was attached. I didn't know that either. So, so that was cool. Um, I, t- I tried to hit uh, baseballs. Yeah. You know, they put you in a batting cage and they launch them at you. Oh, God. Like, like maybe even like 40 or 50 miles an hour. 
I don't even think I got the bat on one. Oh, no, I, I don't think I would either. Like, at I would, all. That's when you would see me. Nick Messina, bunter extraordinaire. <laughs> um, but also on this trip, we took him on a whiskey tour. Oh. It was actually a bourbon tour, yeah. really. And we went, got on a party bus, all like 12 of us, and went the entire day on this bus to like three or four, maybe might have even been five Ooh. separate distilleries. Yeah. So we... I know we, we went to Maker's Mark for sure. Mm-hmm. Scott got to dip his own bottle, which, oh, which was cool. Yep. Nice. Um, we went to Evan Hill. Oh, okay. For sure. And that might have been my favorite one. Interesting. And we also went to two more. One of them got switched on the trip because something happened to the original one. So they just swapped it out. Yeah. But dude, like 12 guys on a bus for like 12 hours. We had beers on the bus. You know, stop. It had the driver stop us at McDonald's, or like going nuts all day, drink, sampling whiskey. It was ridiculous. Oh, I would have been. That would have been curtains for me. Yeah, it was a fantastic time. I don't I, know how we made it on the bus. I don't know if that's what you guys did. So there's actually something that's known as the Bardstown. Um, so there's like the Bardstown Bourbon Trail in Bardstown, Kentucky. That might have been what it was. It might have been. And interestingly enough, uh, interestingly enough, that's what they refer to as the bourbon capital of the world. As Bardstown, oh really, Kentucky, uh, Kentucky. Then, yeah. You, you know, I feel like someone did refer to it as a bourbon trail once. Yeah. So maybe that was like there, that's that like was what we the, took. I was gonna say that's the official. Yeah, that sounds Official right. name then. Yeah. It was super fun, man. I would love to do something like that. Yeah, it was super fun. Once was enough for me. Thank you. Oh, all right, that's that's fine. <laughs> I guess that's all right. So yeah, so that was a blast. Um, I, you know, I, I'm a big fact guy. I was good. for a second. I, I, I thought you just said like I'm a big fat guy. I was like, no, I mean, you're not. You're svelte. What are you talking about? Svelte? Huh? Um, no, I'm a big fact guy. Yeah, I, I love facts. Everything up the... until now has just been lies. Well, they, yeah. I mean, it has been for all intents and purposes. Yeah. No, no, I love interesting facts. Yeah, for, more than anything. So I decided to get into some about bourbon. Mm-hmm. I, so I didn't know this, but I'm sure Star Wars fans will gripe about it. But the true significance of May the Fourth is the legacy set by bourbon. May 4th, 1964, 13 years before Star Wars, bourbon became America's first and only native spirit. That's the one that, that was the Senate resolution. What are you talking about, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I didn't even realize it. I have it written down too. May 4th, oh, look at that, shit. Yep. Senate resolution number 19. Yes, sir. Yeah, Um, I didn't realize. I didn't put that all together in my brain. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm here for, homie. (laughs) Uh, Bourbon distilleries, I didn't know this, made penicillin during World War II. Oh, did they? They actually switched over. Um, though Sir Alexander Fleming discovered penicillin 13 years beforehand, 15 years beforehand, it was in short supply. So during the time, the distilleries turned over to mass produce penicillin for wounded warriors. Oh, my God. Yeah, and it actually, wow. they, they saved a ton, of, um, a ton of lives. And similarly, modernly, now a lot of bourbon distilleries make alcohol-based hand sanitizer. That's, I think actually, I remember reading something about that that that's how some of the local like smaller breweries were able to stay in business during the kind of like height, you know, of the pandemic and whatnot. And that's why they're doing it now. That's awesome. Yeah. So dual dual purpose. Um, Once a bourbon barrel is used, as we know for bourbon, it can't be used again Mm -hmm. for bourbon, but scotch makers are very happy to take them Mm. and actually will use them over and over again. Scotch makers use them to imbue their, brews or their you know distills with distinct flavors interesting taken from the bourbon so we were talking about this before but where i used to work 
uh, where I used to work, we used to smoke our bourbon. Yes. And we used to use Delicious. the the casks. We used, That's what we used to light on fire and oh, go ahead and nice. catch. Them. And that's what would give it that additionally that's cool. smoky, sweet, sort of distinct flavor. Oh, yeah. I used the to smoke bourbon is one of my favorite things ever oh, since I, I had to, it. I used to love it. The only reason why I, I know as much about bourbon as I do is because <laughs> we used to rationalize. We are like, well, we've got to try all of them to know exactly what's good and what's not. That sounds right. Yeah, but when you've got like, you know, a dozen, dozen and a half different bourbons on the menu, got a little, got a little dice. Makes, makes for a fun day at work. Oh, I, good Lord. <laughs> Were you taking spoonfuls of them? More? I had a lot of fun. Okay, when fair, I worked fair enough. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good times. Did you know there are more bourbon barrels than residents in Kentucky? I did not until I read it, and then I saw it, and you're saying it again. 4.7 million barrels to 4.3 million residents. Whoa. (laughs) I like that. That beats the hell out of, you know, uh, a car in every garage and a chicken in every pot. (laughs) Yeah. Let me tell you. They're more bourbon than men. I'm, I'm okay with that, I think. Oh, for sure. I think that makes for a good time. It's amazing because I'm not in a rush to ever go to Kentucky, but suddenly you're really starting to sell Kentucky's it to me. Kentucky's phenomenal. I'll, I'll, let me tell you. I guess so. Huh. Did you know there's white bourbon? No. There is. Is there? Yeah. You can, even if it's in a new barrel for no. just a millisecond, it's considered bourbon. Hmm. So there, there are clear bourbons. Oh, you know what? Maybe I have, because I know that I've had... I'm sure you've Clear. seen White Lightning. Yes. The white like, whiskey. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so the same thing for bourbon. As long as it's in the barrel for any amount of time, it, oh. it is considered um, bourbon. I like that. But if it's any less than four years in the cask, yeah. then it has to go on the bottle. This was aged for oh. three years and 300 days. Really? This was aged for one day, yes. But it's still allowed to be called bourbon. But bourbon. It, it must go on the barrel. Anything less than four years must go on the bottle. Interesting. I like that. Huh. That's like being an atheist your entire life and then on your deathbed being like, yeah, I want you to sprinkle some water on me so I can get into that nice Christian heaven then. Sprinkle some water on me. <laughs> Sorry, that's really... See? This is what the bourbon does. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, so here I found my, uh, my fact from before. of any bottle of bourbon's sales goes directly to the government in taxes. Why is it so high? I'm not sure, but bourbon uh, bourbon producers in Kentucky pay some $14 million a year in property taxes only to store the barrels. So, and I don't know if this is necessarily related, but um, I know that for a very long time, after even the repeal of prohibition that like in the advertising community, there's a related story, folks, just buckle up. All right. Um, That for the longest time, beer and wine was still actively advertised on television and on radio. Um, However, spirits were not. And a lot of times it was due to the fact is that there was this assumption that beer and wine was consumed in a social setting and in like interpersonal connections. And there was almost a negative connotation. Yeah, there's a stigma. Yeah. Like if you drank spirits, it was more associated with the idea then of like alcoholism and things along those lines. So I'm wondering if it was a matter of like, you know, 
puritanical, you know, should you be... It really could have been. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And uh, this this is my last interesting fact, probably my favorite one, actually. Yeah. Uh, President Truman believed in breakfast bourbon. Give him hell, Harry. President Truman would wake up at 5 a.m., take a brisk walk, and then sit down for a breakfast of bacon, eggs, toast, milk, and a shot of wild turkey. Well, listen... If that is not the breakfast of a man that decided to drop two bombs on Japan to end the war, I don't know what is. That is a savage breakfast. Wow. Every day. Wow. That's, I mean, that's great. That's amazing. Good for him. That's, I'm connecting so many things in my mind now. Like the idea <laughs> yeah, of him. You know much hold, more about Truman than I well, do. Well, he's the one that's, you know, famously holds up the newspaper that says Dewey defeats Truman. Like, I would love if he was just like shit canned and thinking, like, he might have been. I'm out of here. <laughs> Your new president, Dewey, is going to really love this new position. What a, what a legend. I know. Well, he was... What was his nickname? Um, it's, a great, uh, it's a great word. I don't know. I might know it if you said it. He was known as the Haberdasher. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he used to own a, a haberdashery before he became what you, president. What exactly is a Is it a hat? Haberdasher. He's, so it's um, like a, a clothing store. What a fancy name. Right? Oh, there's an R in there. Look at that. Oh, yeah. Haberdash. Oh, look at that. Men's clothing and accessories. That yep. would have been great for the uh, Furpery episode. Oh, son of a bitch. Yep. Oh, goodness. Always learning something new. Uh, let's see. Do I have anything else realistically? I was, very, <laughs> I was very prepared for you earlier to ask me how Kentucky's climate, mess, you know, how it makes it good bourbon. Oh, and I so I, ha- I have this article open and I was like, what is this? I was ready. Do you want to tell me about it then? No, no, it's All okay. Right. I explained it before. I, the last thing that I had kind of looked into then was, because I was, I was trying to figure out, you know, other things with bourbon. So, and I did come across obviously then Bourbon Street. So like Bourbon Street really does have a really, a really kind of cool story to it and kind of like background overall. Um, so again, the Bourbon Street is right in the heart of what we know as the French Quarter. Yes. Don't mind my ADD, but have you been? Not yet. Okay. Uh, it's another place. Soon. Listen, I, as as I've been, uh, whew, what a time. Oh, I'm going to have so uh, many hurricanes and hand grenades. You got to be real careful, though. Yeah, I know. It, yep. We went for, I was there in March. You get mugged real fast there. Oh, it is... It's honestly, you know, without getting like too heavy, it is real. It is real sad. It's like what it is, what New Orleans is. Well, yeah, I mean, Louisiana in general. So many things have happened there, even in recent history. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's, but we were there in March, for example. And, you know, we're, we're children of the Northeast, like March, like, oh, springtime, starting to get a little nice outside. Sure. Uh, It was roughly. 85 to 90 degrees with 100% humidity. Oh, God. And it was... And just imagine, again, that many That's folks. summer in Jersey. Oh, my God. The heat <laughs> and the and the, and the the smell. Like, you... Oh, yeah. Oh, dude. Like, it was one of those things where, like, you always make that joke. We're like, oh, everyone in the South is so slow. Well, son of a bitch, if it's that hot in March, I'm not going to be rushing around anywhere either. Like, That's fair. It's rough. That's fair. But if anything, just a, a brief history kind of like of the area, just to, to give some background uh, of New Orleans and, and Louisiana. So it was originally cl- uh, claimed 
in the name of France in the 1690s, and New Orleans was founded then in 1721 by Jean-Baptiste Lumonet de Bienvu. Oh. Yeah, love it. Uh, Moi French. Moi French. Très, très François. <laughs> it was then given to the Spanish in uh, 1763 after the Seven Years' War. Uh, 80% of the city then was burned during what was known as the Great New Orleans Fire of 1788. 80%. 80%. So interestingly enough then, the Spanish, they then went ahead and and rebuilt a majority of it. Um, And those buildings still stand today. So actually, a decent portion of New Orleans and the French Quarter is more closely related to Spanish architecture than French architecture. It went back to being in the control of France and the French for a really brief period of time before we purchased uh, Louisiana and Louisiana Purchase uh, in 1803. So before 1900, Bourbon Street was actually like a premier residential area. Like that was like where you wanted to try and live. It was not what it is now. Um... However, it started to take on more characteristics of there was a, a an area close by that was called Storyville. And Storyville is actually like where the red light district was. So that's where, you know, you had, you know, um, houses of ill repute and things along those lines. It was around the, again, like World War One-ish when Bourbon Street started to take on more of those like characteristics. Um, and at any one point, on Bourbon Street, there were at least 50 different peep shows, burlesque shows, you know, again, uh, um, again, ladies, yeah. ladies of the night. And, and Sounds like the Amsterdam Red Light District. Except not regulated and not like oh. legal. Like the Amsterdam Red Light District, which I've been to as well, is, is like... At least legal. It's legal and it's, I'm not going to call it classy, but like you don't feel like, ugh. Like, you don't feel dirty about it necessarily. Sure. So there was a, a a mayor in the 60s, in 1962, uh, this guy by the name of Jim Garrison. He had tried to crack down on a lot of those, you know, um, more adult places. Um, however, he was, like, successful. Like, he t- took out, like, there were raids that constantly went on oh, in wow. the area. In the 70s and 80s, they tried to make it, like, much more appealing to, like, tourists and then there was like this period in the 80s and 90s called uh, what they thought was like Disneyfication, which is was like all of a sudden when like tourist shops and all those sort of places started to pop up yeah. uh, on Bur- uh, Bourbon Street. But uh, but now it's it's kind of, you know, it's kind of calm. It's one of those areas where like you stay in the area. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's it's, it's a like beautiful one. Yeah, but there's stay, it's stay by the boat. it's it's wild. It's yeah. a wild. I'm sure. City. I'm sure Mardi Gras is probably insane. It, yes, it is insane. Yes, I would love it to is. go. Uh, there's actually one Ooh. thing I wanted to end on, please. And it was a cocktail, if anything, just for you and I to try one day. Oh, so this this came about as I was looking. Somehow it came into one of the articles, but this is called the revolver. So oh. the, the way the person goes on to explain is that bourbon drinkers really don't get that many craft cocktails. No. So this guy, um, John Santer, 
a bartender in San Francisco around 2003, created this drink called the Revolver. Very nicely named. It's made with bullet bourbon. Mm. You know, get it? Bullet oh. revolver, right? <laughs> so it's um, bullet bourbon, orange bitters, and oh. coffee liqueur. Oh. So uh, I'm super intrigued by this. And the guy said that when it was made, it was made with Tia Maria. Okay. But that actually isn't the best coffee liqueur for it. Frangel- he goes, he goes on to... No, Frangelico. Oh, Frangelico's not a... I'm sorry. Strawberry, right? No. Or cranberry? No, neither one. No, Frangelico's a... a it is? Yeah. Now I got to check this. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to throw... If you want to keep... The, what's the one with the strawberries in it? The one with the strawberries? Oh, Frangelico is hazelnut. Yeah. That's oh. the one you usually put in oh. coffee as well. What's the one with strawberries? I'm going to find that later. Okay. Anyway, um, so the revolver, the coffee liqueur, he goes on to say firelit is a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a Bay Area liqueur made with blue bottle coffee. Ugh. No, no good. Uh, I've never had blue bottle. Oh, Nick and I joke all the time. We hate. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Maybe coffee. that's not a good one. There's a um, an Italian liqueur. It's called Gaiano Ristretto. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never had that. Yeah. That sounds good. And uh, you could use Kahlua. Oh. That's easy. We're going to have to start making these. Yeah, these sound awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm down. I like that idea a lot. It's bourbon, it's coffee, and orange happens to be one of my favorite flavors and fruits. I, You know, I'm not a big, like, put alcohol in my coffee kind of guy, but I feel like the other way around, like, put coffee in my alcohol, I'm okay with. I like the way you did that. I like the way you did that. Yeah. All aboard the rationalization train. Hey, I'm the conductor. Whoop, whoop. I, uh, that's going to be it for us. <laughs> yeah. I didn't um, have any jokes today. Oh, that's all right. I know. That's all right. Oh, you could have just said all aboard the bullet train. Oh. oh. You did it for me. This was a good episode. <laughs> Felix, I wonder if a fall from this height would kill me. Um, <laughs> no, nah, probably not. The last fact, the last fact, very, very last fact. I love facts. That, uh, that I've got here is this was a very appropriate episode and, and uh, spirit for us to go for because millennials happen to be the largest consumers and purchasers of bourbon. Some, Interesting. Uh, this is according to like Drizzly. I believe that. 57% of bourbon consumers happen to be millennials. Hmm. And that's us. Where the, That's us. That's like, that's us and most of our audience. Yes. Yep. Yes. That's, that's right. you. That's, you know what that's the sound of though? That's a sign of? That's an entire generation drowning themselves. <laughs> Facts. Facts. Yeah. You know what's also a fact? I think we're at the end. This is the end. This is the end. The end of our show. The end of our show. Blackberries and bourbon. Blackberries and bourbon. Go nicely with lime. Go nicely with lime. And basil. And basil. See you later. See you later. Peace out. Peace out. I can't go any higher. That's why I went low on that (laughs) one. Thank you. All right. Goodbye. (laughs) Stay tuned for our album. We'll be releasing that very, very soon. Very soon. All right. Beers and is hosted by Alex Chula and me, Nick Messina. Video producer is Mike Delavan. Original music is by Alex Chula. Sound effects have been provided by Zapsplat. And audio editing and producing is from me, Nick Messina. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to Beers and wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Beers and Podcast 
and on Twitter at beersand1. That's on Twitter at beersand, the number one. Or shoot us an email at beersandpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, Alex and I always want you to enjoy your beer safely and responsibly. Neither Alex nor myself have any affiliations with any of the breweries we sampled in this episode, be them legal affiliations or otherwise. If you have any questions or concerns, please email us at beersandpodcast at gmail.com. That's beers, the word and, podcast at gmail.com.